This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This program is available as a podcast via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and the iHeartRadio website and app. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be catching up with GWS Giants midfielder Hanine Zarika. Also, the Southern District Crocs Premiership Football Ebony Miller. Also on the way, Ant Wingard reviews another round of the QAFLW competition. Alison Schiller with her tips for the next round of the Sanford Women's Competition. And Coach Kiwi is back with her kiss of death. But first, here's the latest women's footy news. First of all, looking back at the results from round five, the Gold Coast Suns 2-6-18 went down to Geelong 5-8-38 in Mackay. Here's Geelong's Phoebe McWilliams. Yeah, it's always good when you get a goal with your first touch of the night, so that was a good start, and then GC set me up for a goal the second time, so I was pretty lucky just to be on the end of that one, but yeah, always good to get a goal. At North Hobart Oval, the Kangaroos 9-9-63 defeated the Adelaide Crows 3-3-21. Here's Roos coach Scott Gowans. Well, I think it says that they're coachable. Uh, I think it says that they are keen to make amends for what they felt they left behind last year. Uh, and the other thing for me, it says that they were able to play against a good opposition and execute a style of play that suited the ground and the conditions and also the team they're playing against. And that's really pleasing that we don't just have a, an A game that we bring out each week and just hope that it works. Um, so it, it was really pleasing, to be honest, from a coaching perspective. In Wagga, the GWS Giants 7-14-56 walloped Richmond 1-5-11. Here's the Giants' chorus, Taunton. Yeah, I think um, obviously being forward probably last week is a little bit frustrating and the ball doesn't come in that often. So, yeah, it was good to get, a, I suppose, a lot more ball coming inside 50 and, you know, we probably grabbed a lot more marks than we usually did. And, yeah, as a, a Gaelic footballer to get the ball in over the top and kick the easy goals, um, so that's what you um, obviously want. So, yeah, I, th- I thought, um, you know, our midfielders um, really stepped up in the absence of Alicia. Alicia is a huge leader in, in there for us. and. Tate Mackerel that came in and uh, be so in parks and, and the likes in there done you know fabulous job of getting the ball inside 50. Um, I suppose as a forward, forward group we're probably disappointed in you know kicking so many behinds but it's an opportunity that we need to work on and I'm sure goal kicking will be on top of his um, his um, training on Tuesday night. At Icon Park, Carlton 8-2-50 defeated St Kilda 4-5-29. His Blues coach Daniel Harford. Yeah, it was. It was pretty hard. Um, St Kilda play really disciplined and structured games so they're hard to break so they like, do it like we are able to do in the third quarter particularly um, it, was, it was very pleasing very pleasing to, to have that gap so it wasn't as stressful for the girls through that last quarter but uh, yeah they, they made us earn it no worry about that In Morwell the Magpies 8-5-53 defeated the Western Bulldogs 3-3-21 here's the Magpies Chloe Malloy I think it's exciting because it's, it's a massive team effort and it's just kind of putting the cherry on top um, of the, you know, the hands that we're trying to get through the middle and yeah, I, I was just fortunate enough to be on the end of them but yeah, it was a real collective um, effort today and um, we kind of said from the start that we want to make a statement to the league and to the girls, um, you know, having 
three massive injuries during the week, it's kind of disheartening and I think, you know, it can kind of go on either one end of the scale or the other end of the scale and I think we really showed today that um, we used that as motivation to, to come out and actually at half time I think it was Britta said, you know, as Brazy would say, let's put the foot on the throat and let's, you know, get into him and that's what we did. At Casey Fields Melbourne 10-6-66 smash the West Coast Eagles 1-1-7 is Demons coach Mick Stanier. Yeah, yeah I think the first quarter was, was a good good contest and um, yeah second quarter I think West Coast pressure just overused the ball a little bit but um, yeah able to reset and yeah start of the third and the second half was yeah it was spot on from the girls just their intent the way they used the ball and the way they defended and were able to play the game in our forward half so um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Worked through that little flat spot in the second. But, um, yeah, pleased with the result. And out west, the Fremantle Dockers, 7-8-50, defeated the Brisbane Lions, 4-8-32. His Dockers coach, Trent Cooper. Yeah, really good. We, we weren't happy the last two wins. Um, there was, you know, definitely we weren't content the way we played. Um, in some ways, it was almost feeling like a bit of a loss in some ways. But today we played, got back to why we want to play and really pleased with the result. Continuing our AFLW news and Richmond footballer Laura McClelland has accepted a two-match ban for rough conduct after getting into a scuffle with GWS Giants midfielder Britt Talley in Wagga on the weekend. And Collingwood Sarah Rowe has also accepted a reprimand for making careless contact with an umpire. The two NAB AFLW Rising Star nominees for this week are Carlton's Charlotte Wilson and St Kilda's Olivia Vesely. To the NTFL Women's Premier League, the grand final was played over the weekend and after going down to Waratah last year, the Southern District's Crocs have turned the tables to take out the 2019-2020 Premiership. The Southern District 6-3-39, defeating Waratah 3-3-21. We'll be catching up with the Crocs' Ebony Miller a little bit later on in the program. Over to the AFL New Zealand Premiership. Two teams in the competition. They're playing a three-match series and at North Harbour Stadium in Game 2, the Bulldogs have levelled the series won all after defeating the Magpies 5-6-36 to 3-5-23. Uh, this series also doubles as a trial for players who may be representing New Zealand in the International Cup come late July on the Sunshine Coast. And across to the Western European Australian Football Women's League Round 1 played as part of the Galia Cup in Paris and uh, the Cockrells came out on top out of the three teams taking two wins home with Amsterdam just the one in match one uh, the Cockrells defeated the Amsterdam Devils 11-10-76 to 5 straight 30. In match 2, uh, the Paris Cockrells defeated the Rhineland Tigers out of Cologne, Germany, uh, 4-7-31 to 3-3-21. And in the third match, the Amsterdam Devils 7-9-51 defeated the Rhineland Tigers 3 straight 18. And that's your latest women's footy news. It was a big win for the GWS Giants over the weekend against Richmond in Wagga. They are very close to booking themselves a ticket in the AFLW finals for season four. And joining us on the line is one of their stars, midfielder Hanin Zarika. Hanin, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad at all. You must be feeling excited. Um, yet to play the finals, yet the GWS Giants. And the fate is in your hands over the next couple of weeks. It sure is. Um, we did. We had a really good win against Richmond over the weekend in Wagga. We had a good turnout. We had just a change of minds and just how we worked as a team, I think, really got us through and we just need to take it to the week after. 
We're going to take a step back for a moment. We're going to talk about your career today before we talk about present day and, and, and the two big games you've got coming up. Of course, uh, your new Aussie rules around 2015-2016 making the conversion. And because women don't play as often as men, you're probably, I'm guessing, somewhere in the vicinity of 40 to 50 games in your career. How have you seen your development to date? Um, yeah, at first, um, didn't know what AFL was. It was pretty hard. Um, and then once I adjust to it, I just had to learn how to kick, get fitter, learn the rules. As each game I took, I learned the rules. And I think from then on, um, I think I'm fitting in quite nicely and I'm loving it. Originally, you played uh, rugby league, uh, mixed-gendered rugby league, up until uh, the age of 12. Um, just to obviously give an insight, particularly to those from New South Wales and Queensland who are brought up in the non-traditional Aussie rules states, can you talk about uh, probably the hardest skills or the way of thinking you've got to change from when you were playing rugby league to playing the oval game? Um, yeah, um, it was a bit hard because we, we don't do much kicking unless you're the, one of the halves, but even if you kick, it's not like, a short kick or a narrow kick too. It's like a big bomb kick or far away kick. I think I have to learn that. And adjusting like the tackles because you can't tackle below the knees in AFL when in rugby you can do that. Um, holding the ball like and um, marking the ball as well. The way you mark it is way different than in rugby league. And just knowing the rules and stuff is completely different to AFL. Is it fair to say there's a lot more emphasis, um, particularly when you made the switch to Aussie rules, and you end up uh, signing uh, with the AFLW Academy in 2017, a lot more uh, focus on endurance rather than short burst running, as in rugby league? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something that I had to take out that um, um, AFL is, wow, you run a lot. So um, just knowing that what I had to work on and the difference between my conditioning and I had to adjust to that and I think yeah um, just training and knowing what is good for rugby league or what is good for AFL Can you talk about the support that you had at the Auburn Penrith Giants they were your first Aussie rules club before obviously being drafted into the AFLW Yep um, when I first started um, I got told to get to a local club and they were my local club um, but they didn't have a um, under 18 team so they only had a women's team and um, I was still 15 at the time. And you, I wasn't allowed to play because you have to be 17 to qualify to play in the women's league. Um, they just had my support. They, they'd all get around me. They'd take me to training. They'd pick me up. They'd always look after me. And um, just surrounding myself with good people and knowing like where I am is a lot because of the people I surround myself with. And I think their support, and the way they went about it was just extremely unbelievable. We hear of the AFLW Academy and then picking the best players and, and they're all coming together to prepare them to be recruited into the AFLW. Can you give us an insight into what a typical year is like at the Academy, the things that you'll be training, the things that you're doing? Um, yeah, when I got picked in that National Academy, um, we it was a lot of skills-based, it was a lot of testing, and um, it was bonding, and it was getting us ready for the elite level, and which was really good, and it was teaching us um, to go beyond our ability, and just to learn that when you actually get to AFLW, this is the standards that are set, and um, the way they went about it, like Asokana, yeah, um, I think from, they should prepare us to what was going to hit us, and I think it was really good to be part of that. And, yeah, I think that I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to be part of it. 
You talk about the testing. You actually took part in the draft combine testing before being picked up in 2017. Can you give us a, a feeling of what it's like when you have the eyes on you? You're in one spot, you against other hopefuls, all fighting for a spot on a list, and you've got all these recruiters just standing around and just watching every little thing that you do when you do your yo-yos, when you do your 20-metre sprints. Yeah, um, it's, it's nerve-wracking, I think. It's, um, you get there, you just don't know what is expected. Obviously, you know, there's going to be a fitness component. There's going to be all little, like, the daily test. But just on the day, um, I think it's all about your mind, how you prepare. If you take it too emotionally, I think sometimes it isn't good. But if you be, like, being nervous is good. It's a good thing. But sometimes um, you just got to block that out and just know why you're here and why you're doing it and that you're good enough to be there. So I think just having that mindset, is really, really important. You originally picked up by the Giants in 2017 through the rookie draft. Can you talk to us about that nervous long wait to finally getting around to playing your first game? Um, yeah, it was it was really hard. I think um, the first year at the Giants, um, getting picked up as a rookie. Um, obviously, um, it wasn't like it wasn't how I planned for things to go. But um, I think that. Because I surrounded myself with good people, and yeah, there was really hard times that I just like sometimes would battle, and I would think to myself like, do I really want this still? But because I surrounded myself with good people, I just looked at the next thing. I knew that sometimes things happen for a reason, and everything happens at its right time. And I think that that year wasn't just my year, and then I just had to train hard, and I knew I really wanted it. So I think that that's what kept me going and um, I finally had a good preseason and I got my turn which was extremely grateful for. Yeah, on that technicality, we, we should mention that um, after your first season of 2018, you were actually delisted and then re-picked up again several months later in that national draft. Can you talk about what they were explaining to you through that whole process? Because obviously they're only allowed to keep a certain amount of players on the list. At the moment, I believe the number's about 23. Um, I think it's when yeah, I think they they signed twenty two players, and obviously I didn't play that year, and that was going to be hard to get picked up when all most of the players stayed. So like, if I haven't played, how's he going to put me of what skills? And he hasn't watched me when he's played all those players, and they are recommitting to stay. Yeah, it was just a hard choice that I had to do, and I knew that it was it was. I think it was quite good for me to find myself and to know what I needed to work on and just to be motivated to work harder and that I wanted it. And really, it really tested me, but it was a good test. And it was like being comfortable, but uncomfortable, but it was something that I'm glad that happened. After you finally have played your first game, particularly for players that are starting to come through, how long do you, does it take for you to start to feel comfortable that, okay, I'm here now, I'm part of the team, I'm playing regular games, I know my role and I fit in this side? Um, I think, to be honest, I think it took me to the last round of last year, I think against Geelong. I think when in that game I went in a clear mindset. I think that I just said, the last round, I'm, I'm playing like I'm playing where I want to play. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go out there and just play what I think footy is and just do what I do and just take the game on. And I think from that game, it turned out to be one of my best games and I got nominated for a rising star. I think just 
this year I took that mindset to say it's just another game, just play my role, have a clear mind and play to my instincts. And I think that's every game now. Like I do get nervous, but it's not as it's a good nerve. It's like yes, I'm excited. I'm not like hesitant. I'm excited to play and know that I've been in the team well and I'm just happy to be there. A few changes happened in 2019. Uh, first of all, for the AFL Sydney women's competition, um, the Auburn Premier's Giants were no longer in the top flight. So you had to go looking for a new club. Can you tell us uh, what that experience is like when you've got to shop around and try and find a new team? And, and why did you eventually settle on the East Coast Eagles? Um, yeah, it was hard not having a Auburn Giants team. Um, I just wanted to play local footy as well. I didn't play much games, but I just wanted to have a go. Sometimes on the weekends, I just wanted to play. Um, I I have I had a friend, Tonka. Um, she went down there. She played in um, the AFLW of me that year. And she went to East Coast. She told me it's a great club. She would come down, give it a try, even though it was really far for me. But I just said, I just nodded down and thought which club would be the best. And eventually that was the best club. And it turned out to be, it was perfect. The girls were young. They were still learning the game as well, which I liked. And I think, yeah, just having good friendship, which it turned out to be great. It was a very good debut year for the East Coast Eagles in the top flight. End up making the grand final. Uh, you would fall one kick short against Macquarie University. In fact, a, a matter of, I think, centimetres uh, from a mark being taken. It's obviously disappointing to lose a grand final, but in, in another way, how satisfying is it? Like you mentioned, it's a young side, so in its first year to make the grand final. Uh, it was so good. Um, the girls, I, I think the AFL didn't think that they were going to win a game that year. Um, to make it all the way to the grand final, it just shown what they were capable of. And um, I think they were really hard working, and they, they, they kept going to training. They had good vibes. They always go out. Even if it wasn't training, they always get around each other. Um, I think making the grand final, um, you just see the excitement on the girls' faces. Not many have played AFL for a long time, but they wanted to be there and they were glad they were there and they were excited. I think, yeah, once we got to the grand final, um, even though we lost, the girls were still saying that next year we'll come back. So just knowing that I love the game and love playing is really what made me like happy that I chose that team and yeah. Also in 2019, the Giants participated in five VFLW Invitational games, coming down to Victoria, Victoria, pardon me, and uh, playing against uh, VFLW teams, including uh, Williamstown, Melbourne University, which is North Melbourne's affiliates, uh, Essendon, Richmond, and Collingwood. How did you find that experience? And I guess, how do you find the standard up against some of those Victorian sides? Um, yeah, it was it was a bit hard because they wouldn't play all their AFLW players, which was I think Collingwood was the only team that probably pretty much played most of the AFLW players. But it was really good for us. Um, we trained twice a week together. Like, like it's so hard because all the all the Victorian teams have a VFL team, and so they're together for one year when we are together for six months. And having that VFL team kept most of our squad together for the whole year and the best part of it is when we went to draft we drafted I think all of them were from New South Wales except for one and that's a big win for us because we usually draft out of New South Wales and um, yeah so just trading together um, 
doing more skills, getting to know each other, what's our weaknesses, what's our strengths. And um, just being around the girls, I think, has was probably the best idea. And um, playing five games together just was perfect for us. I think that's something that we really wanted and hopefully we can have another one like this this year. So coming into this 2020 season and before leading up to this game against uh, Richmond, we know there was a big change. Of course, Amanda Ferrugia stepped down from playing AFLW, so a change of captaincy. The fridge handed over to Alicia Eva. Um, can you talk about Alicia's uh, captaincy style versus um, versus Fridge's? Are, are they similar or are they different personalities and ways? Um, that's, uh, it's, it's a hard one. Um. Bridge and Eva are both amazing humans. Um, the way Bridge went about of her captaincy is amazing, and she, yeah, very caring and honest captain, and just she, yeah, I think she's they're not similar, they're different. I think Amanda's good at what she does, and Alicia Eva is good at what she does, and um, following taking the footsteps of Amanda, um, Eva's has killed it. I think. She's been, like, the way she fulfilled that captaincy is amazing. And she is a true leader. And I don't think anyone would be a better captain than her at our club than Eva. So, um, yeah, it's pretty sad that Bridge had to go. She was really good to us and really good leader and someone that we all looked up to. But um, she could not give it to anyone better. And Eva has outdone herself and I think that that is one of the best things that has improved um, this year as a club and um, Eva's one of them I think having her as captain is so awesome of course, Alicia was uh, missing on the weekend through injury, but uh, fingers are crossed that she'll be back uh, for the game against Adelaide in Adelaide this Sunday. Um, post-match analysis from the game on uh, on the weekend against Richmond at Wagga. Uh, what did Alan have to say about the side's performance? What did he feel went right to have such a big, comprehensive win against the Tigers? Um, I think we were connected, really connected, Um Everyone was on the same page. We didn't have no one and we communicated so well and we had each other's backs. I think that's something that is really important that knowing that my teammate has my back, um, he was really happy and he's glad that we played what we can deliver. Like some games we didn't perform and we're way better than that. And on Sunday, Saturday, that just showed what we're capable of and we just, we're, we're ready to show what we can do to the rest of the competition. And it's pretty handy when Cora Staunton's on fire with four goals. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, she killed it. She, yeah, she had a rip of a game. And, like, someone her age, wow, like, you can't, yeah. Just doing what she does is pretty awesome. Has the F word been said at all within the club ranks, finals? Because... It's there if, A, you knock off the Adelaide Crows uh, this weekend. You could knock the reigning premiers out of the race. And then the following week, if you beat Geelong, that well and truly shuts the door on them. Yeah. um, Obviously, it's every club's idea to make finals. And, yeah, it's a big one for us this year. We really want to make finals. Um, we, We know we have a lot to work on, but... I think each week we're just going to keep getting better and 
do the little things that we're good at and fix the things that we need to fix. But yeah, I think the F word is going to come out. Yeah, it is. We are hoping to make finals and we are striving for it. So um, that's how we just take each week as it comes. And hopefully, yeah, Adelaide, we've never beaten them before. I think we've drew against them in the past year, but we've never beaten them. So it's a good competition. I think we are up for the challenge this week to show what we are capable of. And should you make finals, will we see on social media all those memes around the big, big sound from the west of the town like we did with the men's uh, when they made the grand final last year? You sure do. We, um, I think we do have a great fan club in Sydney, especially Western Sydney. I think um, the fans are really great to us, and especially in Wagga, like so many fans came out and it was just a little country town, just knowing what if we do make the finals what they would do to back us up. Also, I've read online that you're interested in not only becoming an AFLW star, but also an NRLW star, and that at the end of this AFLW campaign, you're going to turn your attention for the rest of the year towards rugby league. Can you talk about what those plans entail for the months ahead to try and crack it into the NRLW? Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit hard because there's only four teams and it's minimum numbers, not like an AFL team. Um, so after my season, I've committed to the Canterbury Baytown Bulldogs and um, I'll be playing in the Harvey Norman team. So um, right after my season, um, yeah, I'll miss the couple, first couple of games because it does a bit clash. But um, yeah, I'm just hoping to just play really well with that, learn as much and to like shift my mindset from AFL to rugby league and just like AFL, just to learn and grow in, with the game. And I think... Um, Hopefully, if it all goes well and I perform and no injuries and things go well to my potential, um, maybe I can strive to make an NRLW team this year. And one last question before we let you go, Hanine, and as we ask everyone who makes it to the top level what it means to them, what does it mean to you when you sit down, you type your name into Google, and it appears as Hanine Zarika? AFLW footballer? Um, it's pretty special. I think um, never in my life I would thought I'd be a professional player playing an elite sport at the highest level. Um, when when I just hear little kids saying, I typed you in Google and I seen you come up, um, I, I makes me happy. It makes my soul so happy that like I've got to where I want to be. I always wanted to be a late player, but I didn't think it was April, but you never know what happens in your life. Um, you get you play different types of sports, but um, yeah, it, it means a lot, and I'm very grateful for every opportunity. Um, that's something that I hold myself accountable to is um, be happy for the little stuff, because the little stuff do matter, and they, that's what makes the big stuff more exciting. So just being grateful and humble I think it's just something that makes me happy and I am forever grateful for. Well, Hanine, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. And we wish you and the Giants all the very best as you take on the reigning premiers, the Adelaide Crows, this Sunday in Adelaide. Thank you, Peter. We'll have more of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival coming up right after this. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation. 
striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org. You're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Still to come, we have got the Queensland Australian Football League Women's Report with Ant Wingard and a preview of the next round of the Sample Women's Competition with Alison Schiller. On the weekend was the NTFL Women's Premier League Grand Final up in Darwin. It was a rematch between Waratah and the Southern District's Crocs. Waratah got the chocolates last year, but the Crocs managed to turn the tables and are premiers for the 2019-2020 season. And joining us on the line, the leading goal kicker in the NTFL Women's Premier League for this season, Ebony Miller. Ebony, how are you? Good, thanks, Peter. First of all, how does it feel to be known as Ebony Miller, Premiership footballer? Yeah, it's great. Uh, first had a crack at NTFL um, Grand Final in 2006-2007 season um, and we, we lost that one and then I came back out with districts and we had made an appearance in the Grand Final last year and um, obviously we lost to Waratahs but I tell you, it's, a, it's an awesome feeling to come away with the win this year. And before we talk about the game specifically, just on yourself, not only were you an NT Thunder representative, but you're actually based in Alice Springs. Can you talk about the logistics behind that of getting up from Alice Springs to Darwin to play your footy? Yeah, so um, I live in Alice. I work Monday to Fridays, and then Friday afternoons I usually catch a flight to Darwin, stay with my sister, and then um, play footy over the weekend and fly home on a Sunday. So it's a pretty big trek because I'm... single mum with four kids so I have to organise to leave them behind for the weekend and um, set myself up in Darwin for the weekend and then come home and obviously straight back into the work routine and and normal life until Friday again. And with that, as we said, you managed to have a fantastic year on the goal kickers list, taking out the uh, goal kicking award with 59 for the season. Heading into this game against Waratah, what was the feeling like in the group? Obviously, Waratah got the chocolates the year before. How were the nerves coming into it? Because you were favourites going in. Yeah, look, we were all quietly confident about this game. This this was our fourth time this season to come up against Waratahs. I know grand finals are always different, but we have beaten them on three separate occasions. Um, the first one quite convincingly, and then the score got taken back from us because of an, an error on the team sheet. Um, but yeah, like we had come out and already beat them three times prior. So we were quietly confident. We, ne- we knew it was always going to be a hard game. But we just had a great feeling about this one. Um, yeah, so we, we were all feeling quite good about it. Uh, yes, you can see the score in the uh, first half. By halftime, you're leading 2-1 to 1-2. It was a low-scoring, tough affair. Did you feel like the damn wall was just going to burst at some stage? Oh, from looking at our last few matches, we've just really... Um, seemed to come away in the last quarter like our fitness across the whole team is quite good and we just in that last quarter we always seem to find the legs to bring it home um we did it in the first semi-final against Waratahs um the second semi against Buffs they sort of kicked two on us really quickly in the last quarter and then we came back to to level that up and then I'm not sure what it is about that last quarter but we seem to find a bit of 
want to win in that last one. Well, let's talk about the third quarter. You kicked one goal one where Waratah kicked uh, two goals one. So Waratah went in with a one-point lead. You said you finished strong. What was the message from the coach at three-quarter time? Here you are. You're going into your final 17 or so minutes, one point down. He just said, girls, you know what you need to do. We've done it all season. We've we've come here today to play footy. You need to regroup, you know, spread spread the ball, um, use the whole field and just play the footy you know. So it was quite a, a simple message. Um, and, yeah, just he said, just you, you want to get this one back on from last year, so let's go ahead and do it. What was the more pleasing aspect, managing to slam on the goals, three goals, one in the final quarter, or keeping Waratah scoreless in the final quarter? Well, I don't know which one I could be more happy about. Um, probably the three goals because we we went in a, we went in down, so we had to kick something. But I think kicking three goals in that last quarter was quite a big effort considering the the low score to begin with. Let's talk about some of the uh, better players on the day. Everyone's uh, got big raps for this youngster, Grace Mulverhill. Yeah, Grace, she's amazing. Um, she's really stepped up in the final series. Uh, she played um, 18 in the first part of the season and then um, she made her debut with us. It might have been around five, I think. And since then, um, we've kept her. We haven't we haven't wanted to see her go back down to 18. So we've kept her and... Um, She's just grown, and in the final campaign, she just she just does her thing. She doesn't. Uh, she's very humble, so she doesn't think a lot about herself. She just goes in with a team first attitude and and just gets the job done. She's an amazing young girl. And how about some of your fellow goal kickers, Bella Clark, uh, Kelsey Patterson, and also Michaela Dershow? Yeah, look, they're all great players. Um, Bella's had a really great season. She's really stood up as well. She's one of our youngsters. Uh, Kelsey's another one who knows how to hit the scoreboard. Um, she had her shot on goal was was quite an awkward looking shot, but look, it went through. It it, it did what it needed to do. And uh, Michaela, she's a little pocket rocket. She's she's a small little player, but she can take some big marks and some big tackles. And that mark she took to kick that goal was in the middle. Uh, it was right on top of the square, uh, surrounded by a few players, and she seemed to be the only one to go up for it. So she came down with it and she kicked truly. There's obviously excitement and everyone's jumping around when the final siren goes, but when does it hit you on a Saturday night after you've won that premiership? When is the moment that you sit down and you go, we've actually done this? Oh, look, I don't know if it did for me. We just all sort of, as a team, we were just sort of all celebrating into the night. But, I mean... A lot of the girls get around each other all the time anyway and we sort of hang around with each other a lot. So it was like another gathering. It For me, it didn't hit me till I got home yesterday um, back with my kids and they were like, you know, running around with my medals and they thought it was really cool. So like that's when it really hit me. I had a bit of downtime and I thought, hey, finally, I have an NTFL premiership. This is quite a good feeling. I think some of the players didn't feel it till about Sunday. Because um, Saturday was just chaotic. We won. We watched the men. We just continued. Um, a few of us had a huge night, and then Sunday we had another big night, backing it up at the Nichols Medal presentation. So yeah, some of us wouldn't have felt it till the Monday. Well, Ebony, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Strandrolls Football Podcast on RSN Carnival, and congratulations again on winning the 2019-2020 NTFL Women's Premier League. Thank you, Peter. 
and joining us on the line now here at the Women's Australian Football Podcast on RSN Carnival to take a look back at round two of the QAFLW competition. It's great to have on the line from AFL Queensland, Ant Wingard. Ant, how are you? I'm very well, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all after the long weekend and here in Melbourne. Um, all games played on Saturday uh, last weekend up there in Queensland. Uh, no close results. Sides starting to separate themselves from the pack early in the season. We begin, first of all, by looking at Gatta Tweed. They're two and zip to start the season. Uh, 6-7-43, defeating Apsley 2-4-16. Yeah, now, like you said, a lot of the games uh, across round two were... You know, the, the score lines weren't that close, but I think a lot of them, for, for most of the game, uh, they were probably closer than what the final score line indicated. And that certainly was the, the case with um, this game, Cooley versus Aspley, down on the Gold Coast. Because for the first half, you know, Aspley really stretched Cooley, um, you know, and kind of closed in on them in the midfield and didn't let them move the ball forward so freely like they did in round one. Um you know, in that late win against Bond. So, you know, Aspley in the first half, they were certainly in, in the game and Cooley pulled away a little bit in the third quarter, but then Aspley, you know, got a couple of goals laid on um, to kind of peg themselves back into it. And then the final term was pretty much all the way of Cooley, um, who, you know, obviously ran away with a pretty pretty convincing win in the end. But surprisingly uh, for the Bluebirds, their goal kickers, Alex Hamlin, um, you know, she's usually their, their key defender and um, the same as Selena Priest. They both kicked two goals. Priest um, obviously played a little bit more in the ruck um, on the weekend. But, you know, I, I'm not really sure how Cooley would be feeling about two, you know, gun defenders um, being their big big uh, goal kickers for the game. But, you know, obviously they chalk up another win. They're 2-0 sitting uh, second on the ladder after two rounds. So, you know, they're sitting pretty happy at the moment. A five-goal win for Yoronga South Brisbane, 9-5-59, defeating Wilston Grange, 4-5-29. Yeah, this game, I think it, it was really won in the midfield. And um, I, I feel like early on this season, uh, Yoronga have just about the probably the strongest midfield setup in the comp. Uh, Matt Goodwin started last year, her first year in the Crawford W as a defender, and she's moved into the middle. Uh, she was exceptional. She kicked two goals as well on the weekend. Um, the likes of obviously Gabby Collingwood, Jordan Zanchetta, those AFLW names that, that do float through there, um, you know, every, you know, week or so. And, um, you know, their midfield, that really set them apart from Wilson Grange because um, a bit like Aspley, Wilson Grange, when the ball did venture in their inside 50, they were able to, to score and pounce and um, still kind of keep in the contest. And, um, you know, it was really just the, the midfield drive and the continual dominance in that area that helped propel the ball forward and obviously um, resulted in more scores for Yoronga. So um, a bit like Cooley, you know, they're, they're 2-0. Yoronga's third on the ladder now, obviously just percentage um, separating the three teams that have all won their opening two games. Um, and yeah, Yoronga, they still look so, so strong. Um, you know, we know what um, the likes of Lucy Bellinger can do. She was outstanding for the Devils. Just that real hit-up presence um, on a high half-forward, moving in a centre-half-forward area. But uh, one person I was really impressed by was Wilson Grange's uh, Luca Yoshida Martin, a small forward. Um, her first game for the season, uh, she just looked so lively inside 50, and um, I'm excited to watch her in the coming weeks. 
Bond University bounced back from that close loss against Coolangatta Tweed with an emphatic victory over the UQ Red Lions. 8-8-56 to just the one behind. Yeah, this one was probably the most surprising result of the weekend considering UQ obviously had the one behind on the scoreboard, which was um, actually the first score of the entire game. So, you know, for three quarters and 18 minutes, Bond were definitely the better side. And um, I think Bond benefited from um, just a really good spread from outside the contest and, um, you know, a lot of fleet-footed runners that could get the ball, run their measure and then um, send the ball downfield. Talk about Maddie Levi, who was... Um, probably best on ground. She kicked two goals, but her best work was probably done outside 50, just, you know, breaking lines and moving the ball forward. And, um, you know, other girls like um, Annie Muir was really good and Jess Ma, who played her first game of the season coming back from injury, uh, they were really, really good because I think Bond um, kind of thrive on getting numbers to the contest and then spreading quickly from there. And they were able to do that um, against the red line. So fielding a a pretty young side. Um, obviously, they got the one, only the one point on the scoreboard, which is probably a bit disappointing for them. But, um, you know, they'll probably take some positives from it as well. Uh, girls like Tiana Jericho, a girl, um, she's made a debut from out in Toowoomba. She was exceptional across halfback. And, you know, the girls like Jessie Henning, you always know what you're going to get from her as a key defender. And uh, Maddie Crowley Long as well um, across that you know, half-forward wing area was also really good. Marucci Dawes start the season two and zip, and they get an important win early in the year over Cooper Roo, 7-3-45 to 4-5-29. Yeah, this one was, it, it was a very, very physical game. I know, I'm just talking to some girls after the game, you know, they were quite surprised at how physical of a contest it was, um, considering, you know, it's so early in the season where, Games are, are usually a bit more open and free-flowing. Um, but like you said, Maruchador, top of the table there, 2-0. and um, It's kind of hard to, to get a read on Maruchador, um, considering um, they've played Aspley and Kuparu, who, um, you know, are both, they've, they've both started the season 0-2. But, um, you know, for Maruchador, I think girls like Chloe Gregory just, you know, she was exceptional against Aspley last week and, she was really, really good again this week. And, um, you know, just her, her, she kicked a goal again. So she's got three on the season across the two games. But um, a bit like Maddie Levi for Bond, her best work was in the midfield, driving the ball forward and, you know, giving the likes of Ash Hales and Rumi McDowell um, really good opportunity in front of the scoreboard. And they did that. But I think, um, you know, for the first half, especially, you know, Cooper were up at half time and um, even three quarter time, they're still up by. Um, two points. So, you know, they certainly had their opportunities, but um, they couldn't capitalise it at the end, you know, despite probably um, the efforts of, you know, the likes of Jade Ellinger, who um, is probably the most informed player in the comp, I'd say, after two games. And, um, you know, their midfielders, Janae Govan, they were they were really good, but, um, you know, couldn't round out the four-quarter effort and, and kind of fell away a bit in the... In the in the last term. So, like you said, Marushtor, exceptional, you know, after two games. 
Let's have a look ahead to round three. Three games on the Saturday and a standalone game on the Sunday. Uh, we kick the dew off the grass at 9.45am on Saturday at Maroochydore Oval 1. Uh, the Roos versus the UQ Red Lions. A chance for the Roos to start the season three and zip. Yeah, it's probably the perfect start for the Roos. Um, you know, considering, you know, they could start 3 and 0. Um, you know, they had their best ever season last year and they've started this year on fire again. Um, I think the contest is probably more important for UQ. I think this is probably a game that they can win. Um, you know, Maruchador are still without quite a few of their good players and, um, reliant a bit on, um, you know, a couple of goals out the back and, and younger players to kind of fill the void of um, some of their senior lot. So um, I think if UQ can't get the win here, um, you know, it will be pretty telling for their season as a whole. And um, I think they, they, honestly, they could win the game. Um, but I, you know, Maruchador, considering the, the form and the confidence that they've got from the opening two rounds, um, probably have enough in the tank to get the job done and, and start the season with three wins. Also with an early start on Saturday at 10am at Giffen Park, uh, Cooperu versus Apsley, uh, both sides coming off for losses. Cooper will be looking to bounce back, but is this game at this time of the year an opportunity for Apsley to pull the wool over the King's eyes? I, I certainly think so. And, you know, you only have to go back to last year, um, round one, when Apsley beat Cooperu at Giffen Park early in the season. So it's been done before and, um, you know, it can certainly be done again. And both teams were, you know, they had a chance to win last weekend against Cooley and against Marugio respectively. So, um, you know, obviously one team's going to um, get their first win of the season this week. I probably would leverage uh, more towards Cooper just considering the likes of um, Ellinger and Alana Perry um, across halfback. You know, they've just got more... Um, a few more senior bodies um, in their ranks. But, you know, certainly it's a game that Astley could win. And, um, you know, if they kind of restrict Cooper's midfield like they did for Coolangatta and hope that they can, you know, conjure some, you know, link-up play together and, and get some runs on the board, then, you know, they could certainly pull off a big upset win. Saturday, 5pm at Hickey Park, the twilight feature between the Gorillas and the Bull Sharks, Wilson Grange versus Bond University. This is fourth versus fifth, both sides one and one. Yeah, this is probably, this, like, it'll be a very interesting contest. And um, obviously, it's a curtain closer um, to the AFLW game this week between uh, Brisbane and Richmond, um, which is about 110, I think. So, you know, it's a really good spectacle for, for Queensland footy fans to get out, watch the Lions, and then stick around and watch some QAFLW action as well. Um, but like you said, both teams are one and one, so it's a really good opportunity for them both to um, kind of, you know, reassert themselves and uh, make a push in that final top four bracket um, early on in the season. I think uh, Bond University probably have enough talent to deal with Wilston Grange, but, um, you know, you never really know um, how games are going to pan out until they happen. And, you know, Wilston Grange really pushed. Uh, Yoronga for uh, a couple of quarters. So, you know, the Gorillas are really coming in with good form despite, you know, having the loss last week. Um, and I think, you know, Grange, the way they play, scrappy, um, really 
you know, it's almost a territory game for them, push the ball forward and then um, hope their, you know, small forwards can get out the back. And um, what I've liked about Grange so far this year is um, the amount of, like, tackling midfielders that um, it's almost a new midfield kind of unit that's come together this year. Um, obviously, the likes of Cassie's Bark is at AFLW level, so they've had to look elsewhere um, and they've really performed well. So that's probably an area that, you know, they could, um, you know, push bonds and um, hope to kind of cause an upset that way. The standalone game on Sunday, 2.30pm at Exum Oval, and it's going to be a cracker. It's second versus third, both sides two and zip, Coolingatta Tweed versus Yoronga South Brisbane. Yeah, it's probably fitting that this game is, you know, almost has a day um, all for itself, considering, you know, the, the early season bragging rights that um, are kind of available, you know, to the winner. They're both 2-0. They're both, you know, chalked up to pretty impressive wins and wins that have required not just talent to get over the line, but there's been those close games where, um, you know, willpower and, you know, desire, all those things come into play and, um you know, it, uh, it, it's going to be such a good game. Um, I'm really interested in, uh, to see how that midfield battle goes. We talked before um, how good Yoronga's midfield um, has been, but Maruch, uh, sorry, Coolangatta, um, you know, laid claim to having a really good midfield as well. Obviously, Manny Roberts um, has, has been exceptional coming back from the Suns um, over the opening two weeks. Uh, one of their new recruits, Matty uh, Risinger, uh, I hope I've pronounced that right. She's she's an absolute tackling machine. She's been in exceptional form. You know that midfield battle could well dictate um, dictate the game. I think, considering you know how many good forwards Yoronga has, um, that might call call and gather to push the likes of Al Camlin and Selena Priest back into defence, which raises the question of you know who's kicking the goals for Cool and Gatter. So you know there's a lot to play out, but. I think in terms of a well-rounded team, Yoronga really looked the goods early on, so I'll probably back them you know, to, to get the win and start the season 3-9. Well, and thanks very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we take a look back at round three of the QAFLW. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Talk to you then. You're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. They had a break last week in the Sanford Women's Competition for the Labor Day long weekend in South Australia, but we're back this week for round four. And to get some tips, we've got on the line our Sanford Women's Reporter from the Two Crows Podcast. It's Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? I'm fantabulous, Peter. Yourself? Great to have you back after the long weekend, and you've got your Sanford Women's Footy back again this week. Yeah, can't wait to get into it either. Just having that time off just gets you ready for the next round. And, and you've got a double header: two games on Friday, two games mm-hmm. on Saturday. Let's begin Friday mm-hmm. night football at X Convenience Oval. It's Woodville West Torrens versus Glenelg. Yeah, Friday the thirteenth matches unlucky for some, lucky for others. Well, after the wax that I dealt out the other week to Glenelg and Sturt, they both had a point to prove, and they certainly did that last week. Uh, this week, though, my attention will turn to the Eagles in Norwood to help get them across the line, but I'm really not sure I like my chances. How can the Eagles win? Well, to be honest, the best chance is that Caitlin Gould still gets called up for AFL duty because the Tigers are a much stronger team with her in it. So I'm going to have to back in. Uh, let's go for an upset here. Let's go for the Eagles just to prove me wrong. 
the second game is part of the Friday night doubleheader at X Convenience Oval. Central District Bulldogs versus the Sturt Double Blues. Yeah, after a disappointing loss the other round, the Bulldogs will have to bounce back and add a bit more bite to it there. And I'm going to back them in over the Double Blues and to take out the win at their home ground. Let's go ahead to Saturday night football. We begin at Flinders University Stadium with the first of the doubleheader between West Adelaide and Norwood. This should be a cracker. It should be. This is a spot to try and get into that top four. As I mentioned, the Red Legs in unfamiliar territory in the bottom half of the ladder there. But the Bloods, oh, I can't go past them. Can the Red Legs get another win? They will need a full team effort to get across the line here. But I will put my money on West Adelaide, Peter. And then the creme de la creme, Flinders University oh, yeah. Stadium, Saturday night, the one that closes off the round four, South Adelaide, North Adelaide. Whoop. It's a clash of the Titans, the Master versus the Apprentice, take your pick, but this top of the table clash should be the game of the round. Chrissy Steen's Roosters versus Rick Watts Panthers, there can be only one, well I suppose unless there's a door, but whoever that is will have bragging rights and sit on top of the ladder. Well, at least for a week anyway. This should be a fabulous contest between these two premiership fancies, which could even be a premiership preview. A tough one to call, and I do sincerely mean that, but I think the Panthers at home, and I've got such an even spread of players there, I'll take them in, but I won't be surprised if the Roosters upset there. Thanks again for your tips, Ali. And before I let you go, where can people find the Two Crows podcast? At Two Crows Podcast, hashtag Two Crows 40. Get around it and enjoy your football, people. Get out there and watch your local game. Don't go anywhere. Coach Kiwi's Kiss of Death is still to come on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Been playing for a while. Sweet kicks. Because 40 makes you smile. Sweet kicks football. If you're getting ready for the trials, gotta go the extra mile. Sweet kicks football. Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile. Sweet Kicks Football. And now on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival, thanks to the Sweet Kicks Football Academy, it's time for Coach Kiwi's Kiss of Death. And we've got on the line Lisa Roper herself, Coach Kiwi. How are you, Coach Kiwi? I am very, very, very good. Thank you, Aussie, 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 oi, 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 or something people say these days. <laughs> you were trying to jump on our bandwagon at the fact that the Australian women won the T20 World Cup on the weekend. Well, a little bit, but I'm also now a citizen. So I was there cheering them on and I did sing the Australian anthem even. See, well, now that you're an Australian, you should realise that underarm bowling is now acceptable. (laughs) Hang on, I'm not Australian. I just have the citizenship (laughs) and underarm bowling will never be acceptable. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's take a look at Aussie Rules Football because that's why you're here. And the AFLW, we're going to look ahead to your tips for round six. First of all, six out of seven last week. The only team that brought you undone was Gold Coast. Gold Coast, what are you doing? You're at home. You're on the far, far, far northern part of Australia's goldest ever coast. And boom. Wasn't to be. Yes, going down to Geelong and talking about the uh, Cats. Well, Friday night football, GMHBA Stadium. This is a big one. This is Geelong versus the Kangaroos. This is a conference, a battle for the Cats. As we said, they were coming off a win against uh, the Gold Coast Suns. The Kangaroos coming off a win against Adelaide. This is one versus fourth. Geelong really need to win this game to keep in touch with the top three. The Kangaroos, they have essentially got their final spot locked in. Uh, for Geelong, better players, the game out of the Gold Coast, uh, up at Mackay, should I say. Uh, McWilliams, of course, with two goals, one of their better players. Nina Morrison, Olivia Purcell, a couple of their early picks from last year. Rocky Cranston, Meg McDonald, Julia Crocker-Grills, all performing well for them. Uh, up against the Kangaroos side, who uh, put away Adelaide with ease. Better players for the Roos out of that game. Well, of course, one Jazzy Garner, Caitlin Ashmore, who kicked four fantastic goals, Emma Carney, Sofa Abitangelo, Jenna Bruton, uh, Wright as well. Can Geelong knock off the ruse at GMHBA Stadium, or is it an ask too much? Look, you know, I think Geelong will be going into this game really confident. They've kicked quite a bunch of goals the last two weeks. And, um, you know, they've managed to uh, find some gaps and opportunities through some pretty strong defence. But I kind of feel that North Melbourne, they're just playing some really good quality football and probably have too much experience around the ground. As much as Geelong is playing a good team game and the youngsters, you know, Purcell and Nina Morrison, they get a lot of touches on the footy. Um, I'm going to pick North Melbourne by 12. Let's go to Saturday football up at Hickey Park. This is a Conference A versus Conference B battle. Uh, the Brisbane Lions at the moment uh, sitting second in Conference A. Collingwood setting in fourth spot in Conference B and uh, really do need to win this game to keep in touch with uh, Carlton and Melbourne. Uh, the Lions came off that loss against uh, Fremantle over in WA. For the Pies, they had a win against the Bulldogs over in Morwell. And if we bring up some of the better players for the Lions in that uh, three-goal loss against uh, Fremantle, uh, they include the likes of Jess Wuchner, who kicked two goals, Emily Bates, Ellie Anderson, Renee Lug, Kathy Spark, um, Davidson as well. Um, again, uh, an early start from Fremantle, 5-2 to 2-2 uh, in that first term. That early start, the Dockers were able to hold all day and uh, Brisbane just couldn't close the gap. Uh, for Collingwood with their 32-point victory against the Bulldogs, uh, better players coming out of that game. Well, the one and only Chloe Malloy, three goals. Bree Davey on absolute fire. Jamie Lambert, Sarah Rowe, Britt Benici, Sarah Darcy and Shani Layton. This is an interesting one, isn't it, for the Pies? As, as we said, they've got a win to keep in touch with the top four. It's on the road. 
you got to fancy Brisbane at Hickey Park, but if Collingwood win this game, are they the real deal? Well, it is going to be a very interesting game. It is. Um, I feel that Brisbane probably had the tougher match coming in. Even though they're coming off a loss, they were really tested in the weekend and they had a lot more possession than Frio. Just Frio sort of did more with the ball when they got into their um, inside 50. But um, Collingwood around the field, they played some really good footy. And I think Coe Malloy started the game off, you know, just huge and had a big factor in getting those goals forward and, you know, through the big stick. And it looked kind of like she sat back and rested for most of the game and let the others, you know, step up to perhaps your level. Um, I think Collingwood have got the better midfield. Um, you know, even though Emily everywhere Bates just, you know, works so hard in the weekend, I don't think she's going to be enough to stop the midfield that Collingwood have got and the form that Collingwood midfield are coming into this game. Um, so, yeah, even though Brisbane are at home, I think um, Collingwood, they, they'll travel okay. And I'm, um, I'm going to pick Collingwood by seven. Saturday twilight at RSEA Park, Moorabbin. Conference B versus Conference A battle. St Kilda versus Richmond. On the ladder at the moment, the Saints are sitting sixth in Conference B. Uh, they are three wins outside the uh, top three. Mission impossible for them to make finals, but looking to see if they can jump a spot, maybe get over the Western Bulldogs into that fifth position. Richmond still looking for their first win of the year. Uh, St Kilda, despite losing by 21 points against Carlton, they got praise on the Carlton coach Daniel Harford about how structured they were. So things are certainly looking on the up for the Saints. They just haven't been able to put it together for a couple of more wins, uh, particularly that heartbreak against Adelaide we talked think about a couple of weeks ago. Patrikios, again, tracking well, possibly the NAB rising star. Uh, Vesely was good. Shearlaw, Exxon, and uh, Rosie Dillon as well. Uh, for Richmond, their better players, Conti, Monaghan, and Dempsey, they only scored one goal, five, against GWS, who kicked an inaccurate 7-14. If GWS kicked straighter, that game could have been a shellacking. This is an opportunity, Coach Kiwi, to look at two expansion sides head-to-head and truly assess the programs of who's got it right so far and who has seriously got it wrong. Yeah, exactly. And and you kind of probably even look at the coaches and who's got the most experience. And, you know, going into this game, you look at the player list and St Kilda don't have particularly any out-and-out superstars on their list. But they don't need to. Pete just got them playing in such a real good team uh, unit, you know, throughout the field. And you know, they they really pushed Carlton on Friday night. I thought they – or said they, sorry. I thought they um, had a cracking match. And, you know, at times they, they looked like they were going to, you know, get on top of Carlton. Um, and, you know, the, the young ruck is – is outstanding and winning quite a few taps. And, you know, they've got some, you know, Exy, Matt Exxon is doing great through the midfield, but they've got some young players that are just stepping up now. And, um, you know, they've lost a couple with um, Kate McCarthy gone, but I think there's other players now that are just getting more hands on the footy and it's just going to make them stronger. Whereas I think Richmond came, came against a giant side that actually played I guess the football we're expecting the Giants to play, they've got good players, 
And the previous week against Brisbane, they just didn't look um, very polished. They didn't look like the Giants team that we know they can be. And I think Richmond got them this weekend and they just played their good football when Richmond had no answer at all. Um, and just, you know, poor Phoebe Monaghan just continually repelling the ball in the back line and, you know, and pressuring a lot of them to um, to get those one-pointers as well. So um, I think also for Richmond, they're going to be without Laura, Laura McClellan for two weeks now. And she's quite handy. I know she's only drafted this year, but she's quite a handy youngster. Um, they've used her mostly across the halfback line, but she also can be played as a forward or every now and then she pops up in the ruck. Um, just losing just, you know, another little handy player um, probably goes against what Richmond really need right now. And um, I'm not sure if Katie Brennan will be back. Um, I haven't heard how her concussion is. But, um, yeah, Monconti is doing fantastic just, they just need a few more of them to um, get that run going forward. But, yeah, so this weekend I am going to tip St Kilda and I'm going to tip them by 14 points. Let's look ahead to the Melbourne versus Carlton match, Saturday night football being played in Alice Springs. And Carlton coming off that 21-point uh, victory against uh, St Kilda. Better players out of that game. Uh, Karen Harrington, Madison Press Parkers, uh, Darcy Vessio, Charlotte Wilson, uh, Bermuda Lalofi, and uh, Sarah Hosking. For Melbourne, they completely smashed West Coast 66 to 7. Uh, Eden Zanker named amongst the best, kicking two goals. Karen Paxman, uh, Goldrick, O'Day, McAvoy, and Scott. Great to see Sarah Perkins in her one game for Melbourne, kicking a goal right at the uh, very end. This is second versus third in Conference B. The winner, particularly with Melbourne with their stronger percentage, will seal the second spot and get a ticket to the finals. The loser, depending on the result from Collingwood and the Brisbane Lions, could be under some real heat and could even, in fact, fall out of the top three. Yeah, exactly. There's, you know, potentially four teams here that are well worthy of a playoff spot. So um, definitely um, they will be thinking of that as they get into this game. Um, Melbourne were very good and they were very tight. It was great to see Perko doing Perko stuff, you know, winning the ruck, picking up those ground balls, um, and then, you know, finishing it off with that little goal in the final, or after the siren it ended up being. Um, good for me, I like seeing Brenna Tarrant having a go. She was one of my junior giants a few years ago, so it's good to see her um, getting a debut and getting to run around with the with the Ds. Um Carlton were sharp, you know, they played and they've been playing some really good football the last few weeks and um, really getting good spread around the field. So they're really spreading the opposition out and forcing them into probably more a zone type defence rather than the one-on-one because they're spreading them so much across the field with their quick switches. Um, and, you know, good good young players around the ground with, you know, as you said, Charlotte Wilson and, um, you know, these and Prosparkas, just that young talent that having so much um, control of the football as well is, is really great to see. Um, I reckon this is going to be a particularly tight game. Uh, I did consider tipping Melbourne. However, I think last year they also played at Alice and didn't go very well. So I'm thinking perhaps Melbourne aren't a travelling team. Um, <laughs> having said that, Carlton didn't do too well when they went to Adelaide last year. But still, I'm going to give this one... I'm going to go Carlton by four. 
Remember, Carlton did travel this year and played Adelaide in that grand final rematch and won. This is the first time for Melbourne on the road uh, in uh, the 2020 season. But uh, that's your tip. Let's have a look ahead to a team that is going to be on the road, and that's the Fremantle Dockers. They are travelling to take on the Western Bulldogs at VU Witten Oval on Sunday. Uh, if you asked me before the start of the season, I would have said, this is a danger game for Fremantle against the Red Hot Bulldogs. Well, the Bulldogs have been disappointing this year. But still, the last time Fremantle came to Melbourne, they got out of jail against St Kilda. So was it the Saints or was it the travel? We may find out against the Western Bulldogs who, uh, well, would have been disappointed with their performance against Collingwood in Walwell. Out of that uh, five-goal loss, uh, their better players were Ali Blackburn, uh, Kirsty Lamb, uh, um, uh, Hunt, uh, McLeod, Huntington and Lachlan for the... Uh, Fremantle Dockers, their win over the uh, Brisbane Lions. Their better players coming out of that. Sabrina Duffy with four goals. Kiara Bowers, the Jet, Ebony Antonio, Haley Miller, Sharp and uh, Horton. Uh, Roxy Rowe, of course, injured in that one due to an eye injury. So no word yet on when she uh, may be back. Fremantle would have to be red-hot favourites going into this. In fact, remember, Fremantle are the only side not to lose a game so far in 2020. Yeah, and they are—they really are red hot favourites, and I think their ball use is really strong. If they don't get a lot of ball use, they're just very good quality with it, and they hit up some great leads. And if they're not hitting the leads up, they're able to just stick it over the back, and um, and that's how Duffy got a couple of her goals in the weekend. And I think um, probably she there were probably a couple of others. I think she had eight checks and got four goals, four behind. Um, is what I think her stats are at the end of the day. So she's scoring on every single opportunity. And if she's not scoring, then you've got Horton coming up. You've got Roxy Rue pushing up. So hard for defenders to repel so many players that are just able to bang in goals from anywhere as well. Um, and if Horton's not, you know, she's not getting a lot of goals, but she's certainly setting them up. And she's got some genuine pace um, to cut through defence and cut through the congestion and, and get the ball out as well. And then you back that up with the um, the Janellans, The You know, Juddy is just going fantastic. Kiara Bowers, she's unstoppable. They've just got players on every line that are contributing to their ball getting forward and getting through the big sticks. And I just think, you know, the way Bulldogs are playing, they're just not so polished. And um, I don't think they're going to have any home advantage. They're, they've sort of even been a bit sketchy when they play at Witten. So, yeah, I'm giving Frio 19 goals, uh, 19 points is the difference. <laughs> I was going to say, 19 goals yeah, is a bit much. <laughs> but, yeah, 19 Very points generous. sounds a little more <laughs> reasonable. Uh, let's go across to our next match, and that is on Sunday afternoon at uh, West Adelaide's Richmond Oval. The Adelaide Crows versus the GWS Giants, a Conference A battle. This is third versus fifth. Uh, the GWS Giants coming off that big 45-point win against Richmond. Uh, in that game, Cora Staunton on absolute fire, kicking four goals. Privatelli with two, uh, both who were named amongst the best, along with Parker, Beeson, Tully and Bennett. For the Adelaide Crows, they went down to the North Melbourne, Tasmanian Kangaroos 
at uh, North Hobart with Erin Phillips being a uh, late withdrawal from that clash uh, for Adelaide. Uh, Thompson kicked two and Ponta kicked a goal. Best players, Hatchard, Marinoff, Foley and Ratchich. Um, this is the old school eight-point game because Adelaide must win to stay in touch with the top three. If they lose... Because of their percentage, it is just about all and well and truly shut the door on the reigning premiers. They will not be going back-to-back. So uh, whatever soreness that Erin Phillips may have, I believe that she'll play this weekend because it's all on the line at home. For the GWS Giants, is this their true test of a side that's been probably inconsistent over the last couple of years to say, right, if we are finals material, we have to win this game and we've got to put the Crows away? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't know that we've really seen that from the Giants yet. They seem to um, just, you know, look shaky when they come against the bigger test. Um, and, yeah, I'm certain that Erin Phillips will be back. She's had a whole two weeks now to get over that little bit of soreness. Um, first, first game back soreness is, is not generally too much, one would hope. But, yeah, I think because of what's on the line, certainly we'll see her back. And hopefully for the Giants, we'll see Alicia... Eva back in um, in the midfield as well. Um, although I thought, you know, Jess Delpost did very good. As, not just as captain, but she did very good in her role in the field and got the team moving as well. Um, good to see Cora playing playing so well and, um, you know, getting some goals now, but contributing up up further towards the goal. We've seen her a lot drop down the field and um, play, will play like a high, high forward, but right across the midfield type area. So, um, I'm not sure if the Giants are just changing a little bit of tactics now. They've lost Yvonne Bonner as well. But, um, yeah, this is going to be an extremely tight game. One difference I've noticed with Adelaide is they've got Sarah Allen, who's been a really outstanding fullback. But the last couple of games, they've actually had her playing, you know, a little bit higher or a little bit closer to the to the arc. And um, potentially that's left some gaps at the back for teams to exploit and get through to get the goals. So I'm not sure if that's their change of tactics and if they'll go back to having her as more like a genuine fullback. But, um, you know, certainly it looks to me like um, they've they've kind of come across something that's probably not working for them for um, whatever change that they've done in there. But, um, yeah, I think this is going to be an extremely close game. And if the Giants play like they did last week, they can get the edge. If they don't, I think Adelaide will run over top of them. So um, can I tip a draw? Perhaps not. I'm going to go Adelaide three points. Well, I don't think the GWS supporters are going to be happy with you. You're tipping Adelaide to win it. But as we said, Adelaide must win that game to keep in touch with the top three. The final game for the round uh, on Sunday Twilight is uh, in WA, where the West Coast Eagles will play host to the Gold Coast Suns. The Eagles currently bottom of Conference B with just the one win. The Gold Coast Suns sit second last in Conference A with one win and one draw. Uh, the Suns losing by 20 points to the Cats in Mackay. Better players for the Suns in that Friday night clash. Hogwarts, Stanton, Prajali, Yorston and Perry for uh, the West Coast Eagles who were absolutely smashed by Melbourne at Casey Fields. Their better players were Hooker, Atkins, Swanson, 
Bowen, Radden and Laurie. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, we got to see, um, well, we get to see Richmond versus St Kilda at uh, Moorabbin, how that looks at the two Victorian expansion sides and where they sit. Now we get to see the expansion WA team and the Queensland expansion WA team and where they both sit. Um, safe to say, it feels like Gold Coast to a one and one win, one draw. Feel like they should be maybe two or three wins a little bit further along. Uh, for the Eagles, probably one win sounds about right for them so far. Yeah, this is this is certainly going to be an interesting game, and um, it's going to be a good chance for the two new teams, you know, like the other match, but to sort of either one step the authority or the other to show that they're not quite um, ready or not quite getting it. Uh, having said that, they've both got some pretty handy players and experienced players in the team. Um, you know, like Dana Hooker and, and um, Swanson, they're pretty solid in that midfield for West Coast and they do a lot, win a lot, drive the ball, they cover off defence. Um, they're pretty hard to get past themselves. But then you're going to come against, you know, some really experienced players. You know, your Jamie Stanton's, your Sir, yeah, Sam Virgo's. Um, I think Lauren Bella is going fantastic for Gold Coast. I think she's, um, I think she debuted last year and came out of the quaffle up there. But she just seems to be winning a lot in the air. And um, that, that first use of the ball just becomes really important through that midfield so you can have a bit of control and uh, you know and then you know their forwards that they've got up there with Britt Perry, you know, she's looking she's looking sharp this year and, and you know, getting a bunch of goals. So um, I think, you know, Gold Coast are gonna have the edge. I know it's a bit of travel for them. I don't think this is a field that West Coast get a lot of time at either. So uh, I don't think they'll have a particular home advantage. So I'm gonna go Gold Coast by eight. Well, Coach Kiwi, thanks again for your tips for yet another week. As we said last week, six out of seven. Let's see if you can finally get to that mark of seven out of seven. Ooh, let's see. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival for yet another week. This podcast is available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio website and app. Don't forget you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for WARF Radio and our website, WARFradio.com. We'll have another episode of the program next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne Carnival via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden and it's bye for now.